0: For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. Luckily, Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbine to bring you MyNewHorse.com as your one-stop shop for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Visit MyNewHorse.com. You're listening to Horse Radio Network part of the Equine Network family. (coughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation Removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity, so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed. The horses sleep. The day's work done. The chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds drift off to sleep. And close your eyes It's time for us To turn down for the night Now let's breathe in Breathe out And turn off the light One more time Breathe out Breathe in Now Let us begin In our previous episode We learned about the history of Assateague and Chincoteague Islands. We met the Beebe family, Grandpa, Grandma, Paul, and Maureen, who are all eagerly awaiting the arrival of a baby foal from their very pregnant Chincoteague pony, Misty. Today, we are beginning Chapter 3, A Body with a Purpose. Right after school, Paul and Maureen rushed into Misty's stall. Things should be happening, and they weren't. Grandpa told them, you two hold her head. He put his stubbly cheek and his ear against Misty's belly. Feel anything? Hear anything? Paul whispered. Not just now. Likely the little fellow's asleep. He bent down and felt of Misty's teats. Gently, he tried to milk them. Some mares are ticklish, he explained, and they kick at their colt when it tries to nurse. I aim to get her used to the idea. Are you getting any milk? Maureen asked. Grandpa shook his head. Reckon Misty ain't quite ready to have her youngin', but no use to worry. Now then, I'd like for you two to do me a favor. What is it, Grandpa? I want you to climb aboard Watch Eyes and Billy Blaze because today noon appeared to me Billy was going gimpy. You children, try him out and see which leg is causing him trouble. Paul and Maureen were glad of something to do. The way Grandpa talked made them feel like expert horsemen. Quickly, they bridled the ponies, swung up bareback, and took off. Paul stayed a few lengths behind on watch-eyes, calling commands to Maureen on Billy Blaze. Walk him, ears swinging, head nodding. Billy stepped out big, bold, almost bouncing. Trot him. Again, he went sound, square on all four corners. Whoa, turn, then come back this way. Maureen pulled up, laughing. "'Except for his being so shaggy,' she said. "'He could be a horse in a show. "'His gates are so smooth. "'Grandpa knew it all the time.' "'Of course. "'He just wanted us to stop fussing over Misty. "'I'll race you, Maureen.' "'It was fun racing bareback across the marsh. "'The rising wind excited the horses, "'made them go faster.' as if they wanted to be a part of it. And it was fun to round up the mares and drive them down the spit of land, stopping just short of the sea. It was even fun arguing. Maureen, you got to do the pumping tonight. I don't either. I got to gather the eggs. All right, Miss Smarty. Then you can just mend that chicken fence too. It ended by both of them repairing the fence and both of them taking turns pumping water. Afterward, they charged into the house, glowing and hungry. Grandma promised an early supper of oyster pie. And then, she said, If you can trust me to keep watch on Misty, you can drive with your grandpa Over to Deep Hole to the Reed's house. Mrs. Reed's got a pattern I want to copy for our apron sale. I'll take you up on your offer, Eddie, Grandpa agreed quickly. It'll give me a chance to see how my herd's doing up there on the winter pasture. But about that time, odd things began to happen. A lone marsh hen came bustling across the open field, Toward the house. Pa saw her first. He was at the table in the sitting room painting a duck decoy. Look, come quick, he shouted to the household. A marsh hen's coming to pay us a call. Maureen hurried in the room to see. Grandpa and Grandma almost collided, trying to get through the door at the same time. Jumpin' mullets, Grandpa whistled. In all my born days, I never see a marsh hen walkin' on dry ground. Can't say I have either, Grandma agreed. They're timid folk, ain't they? Yep, only feel safe in the marsh, like a rabbit in a briar patch. I saw one one day, Paul said, walk right across the causeway. Pshaw, Grandpa whittled him down to size everyone's seen them do that they're just making a quick trip across from one marsh to the other but this little hen has made a journey for her it's like traveling to the moon grandma nodded to my notion she's a body with a purpose she's trying to find a hidey hole wonder what's frightened her they all watched as the hen made her way to the high ground near the smokehouse and settled down on the doorstep as though she'd found a safe harbor. Everyone went back to work except Grandpa. He crossed the room to the window that faced the channel. Great guns! he exclaimed. Look at how our lone pine tree is bent. Why, the wind switch clean across from southwest to northeast. And just look at the sky. It's as black as the inside of a cow. Suddenly, he sucked in his breath. The tide, he gasped. It's almost up to our field. Why, it's only natural. Grandma called from the kitchen. We're in the time of a new moon, and a new moon always means a fuller tide. But Grandpa wasn't listening. He began pacing from one room to the other. "'Any storm warnings on the radio today, Idie? he asked. "'No,' Grandma said thoughtfully. Except the Coast Guard gave out a small craft warning this morning. "'But three out of five days in March they hoist that red flag.' "'Even so,' Grandpa said. "'Me and Paul better light out and put the ponies in the hayhouse for safety.' Paul dropped his paintbrush and started for the door. Bring in more wood for the stove, Grandma called after them. Darkness was coming on quickly, and the wind had sharpened, bringing with it a fine whipping rain. The old man and the boy whistled the ponies in from the marsh. They came at a gallop, eager to get out of the weather, and it wasn't often they were given all the hay they could eat and warm shelter, too. Paul grabbed a bundle of hay and ran to Misty's stall. He found her stomping uneasily and biting at herself, but he blamed the little colt inside her, not the weather. The wind fluttered the cobwebs over the window at the back of her stall. He nailed a gunny sack to the frame to keep the cold out. Then, feeling satisfied, he gave Misty a gentle pat on the rump as he went out he bolted the top and the bottom of her door. He joined Grandpa, who was gathering up four fluffy black mallards, too young to fly, and putting them in a high cage in the hayhouse. The peacocks and banties were already roosting in the pine trees. Wherever Paul and Grandpa went, Skipper ran behind, enjoying the wind and the feeling of excitement. At the kitchen door, he left them, jumping into his bed in the truck. Habit was stronger than the wind. Inside the house, all was warmth and comfort. The fire crackling in the stove. The oyster pie sending forth rich fragrances. And from the radio in the sitting room, a cowboy's voice throbbed. Give me a home where the buffaloed roam, and the deer and the antelope. But the word play never came. The music stopped as if someone had turned it off. At the same instant, the kitchen went black as a foxhole. For a long moment, everyone stood frozen. Then Grandma spoke in her happiest voice, which somehow didn't sound very happy at all. We'll just eat supper by candlelight. It'll be like a party. She found the flashlight on the shelf over the sink and pointed its beam inside a catch-all drawer. I've got some candles in here somewhere, she said, poking in among old party favors and odds and ends of Christmas wrappings. Grandpa struck a match and held it ready. Your grandma looks like Skipper digging up an old bone, he exclaimed. I'm burning my fingers. The match sputtered and died. I'm ashamed to say, Grandma finally admitted, but I can remember now I gave my old candles to the family that moved in on Gravel Basket Road. They hadn't any electric in the house. What's more, I loaned him our lantern. Grandpa's voice was quick and stern. Paul, you drive my pickup over to the Barrett's store and get us a gallon of coal oil. Maureen, you crunch up some newspaper to... Clarence! Grandma was shocked. Paul's not old enough to drive and hark to that wind. But this is an emergency and I'm the only one who knows where in the attic to put my hand on the old ship lantern off in the Alberta. Besides, Barrett's is just up Rattlesnake Ridge as far as a hen can spit. Paul was out the door in a flash and Grandpa was pulling down the ladder in the hall to the crawl space in the attic. He climbed up and muttered loud enough for Grandma to hear, Women, Folk and Worry, cups and saucers. When he came back with the lantern, he handed it to Maureen. Like I said, honey, you crunch up some newspaper and give this chimney a good cleanin'. Then, pick the black stuff off on the wick. Here, you can use my flash beam to work by. Seconds passed, and the minutes wore slowly on. It was past time for Paul to be back. Grandpa peered out the window, trying to pull car lights out of the dark. He wished Grandma wouldn't just sit there with her hands folded in prayer. He wished she'd sputter and scold. He wished she'd say something. Anything. He even wished Maureen would say something, but she was intent on her work. That's good enough, honey. Better shut the flash beam off now. We may be needing it for trips to the barn," he added seriously. When at last Paul burst into the house, he set the can of coal oil on the table without a word. Grandma quickly poured the oil into the lantern. Well, Grandpa asked as he struck a match and lit the wick. He turned it slowly and watched the flame steady. Where you been? Your grandma's been going crazy worried. What took you so long? I drove around to see how bad the storm is. And how bad is it? It's bad. Real bad. What you looking so ashy about? I got bogged down in the sand on Main Street. The bay water's coming right over the road and lots of cars are stuck. Fire chief had to push me out. Oh, Grandpa looked concerned. You'd better run my truck up to that high place by the fence, Paul. If this wind keeps up, there's no telling how far she'd shove the tide. Chapter 4 Let the Wind Screech The storm was sharpening as Paul moved the truck. If he hurried, he could look in on Misty once more. Skipper read his thoughts and leaped out with him but he didn't dash ahead. He hugged close to Paul, his action saying, two creatures against the storm are better than one. The wind swept down upon them and struck with an iron cold blast. It took Paul's breath. He had to fight his way, reaching up, grasping for the clothesline. He might not be able to get out again. Suppose Misty had already had her colt and was too frightened to take care of it. He stumbled over a tree root, and only the clothesline kept him from sprawling. But now he had to let go. He had reached the post where the line turned back to the house. He was almost to the corral. Now he was there. He squeezed through the bars. He reached the shed. Crying out Misty's name She came to him Her breath warm on his face He put both arms around her body The colt was still safe inside her A wave of love and relief Washed over him As he leaned against her Enjoying the warmth of her body He stood there Wondering what she would say to him If she could Wondering whether she was thinking at all, or just feeling content, rubbing up against a fellow creature for comfort. Skipper nosed in between them, nudging first one and then the other, wanting to be a part of the kinship. "'You can stay in here tonight, fella,' Paul said. "'You'll keep each other warm.' Reluctantly, he left them and headed towards the house." The wind and the rain were at his back now, pushing him along as if he were in the way. The kitchen felt cozy and warm by contrast, and the acrid smell of the coal oil seemed pleasant. The light, though feeble, didn't hide the worry on Grandma and Grandpa's faces. But Maureen was humming and happy, her head bent over small squares of paper, wait a minute was perched on her shoulder noisily. Paul picked up the cat, warming his fingers in her fur. What are you doing, Maureen? He asked. She folded one of the squares and held it up in triumph. Isn't it exciting, Paul? What's it supposed to be? Why, a birth announcement, of course. Gee Willickers, horsemen don't send out announcements. I know that, but Misty's different. Everybody's heard about how she came from the Wild Ones on Assateague and chose to live with us instead of her own kin. Paul held the folder close to the light. He studied it curiously and in surprise. On the top of the sheet were three sketches of horses' heads. The one on the left was unmistakably misty, and the one on the right could have been any horse creature except it was carefully labeled Wings. Between the two, in a small oval, there was a whiskery colt's face, and underneath it a dash where a name would be printed in later. "'Right pretty, huh, Paul?' Grandpa asked. "'Look inside,' Grandma urged. Paul opened it and read aloud. Little No Name Out of Misty by Wings Misty Out of the Phantom by the Pied Piper Wings out of a wild mare by a wild stallion. He pulled at his forelock, thinking and studying the pedigree. One thing's wrong, he said with authority. Maureen's lips quivered. Oh, Paul, I can't help it if I can't draw as good as you. It's not that, Maureen. The pictures are nice, better than I could do, he admitted honestly. But in pedigrees, the stallion's name And his family always come first. But Paul, remember how Misty's mother outsmarted the Roundup Men every pony penning until she birthed Misty? The Pied Piper was penned up every year, and if it hadn't been for Misty, likely the Phantom never, ever would have been captured. Remember? Course I remember. I brought her in, didn't I? He stopped and thought a moment but I reckon you're right, Maureen. This pedigree is different. Misty and the Phantom should come first. These children got a real horse sense, city, Grandpa bragged. I'm so dang proud of them. I could go across my chest sticking out like a penguin, he strutted across the room trying to stamp out his worry. Suddenly, The lights flashed on and a voice blared over the radio. Is in a grip of a blizzard in the middle of winter, twelve inches of snow have fallen in central Virginia and more to come. At Atlantic City, battering seas have undercut the boardwalk. The voice cut off and the house once again went dark, except for the flame in the lantern and a rim of yellow around the stove lids. "'Suppers ready,' Grandma sang out in forced cheerfulness. "'Guess we can all find our mouths in the dark. "'These oysters,' she said as she ladled the gravy over each plate, "'are real plump, and the batter bread is light as a... as a... as a moth,' Paul prompted. "'Maybe not that light,' Grandma replied. "'They all sat down in silence.' listening to the sound of the wind spiraling around the house suddenly grandpa pushed his chair back I can't eat a thing, Eddie but you all eat I just now thought about something about what, Clarence? about Mr. Terry grandma put down her fork that's the man who moved here to Chincoteague last fall, isn't it? as grandpa nodded his head Paul broke in He's the man who has to live in a kind of electric cradle. That's the one. His bed has to rock, itty, or he passes. And now with the electric off, he might be gasping for air like a fish out of water. Me and Paul could go over and pump that bed by hand. He hurried into the sitting room. Lucy, he told the operator, please get me Ms. Terry. That you, Miss Terry? Grandpa's voice boomed above the wind and storm. There was a pause. You don't know me, but this here's Clarence Beebe over Pony Ranch, and I was just wondering how you'd like four mighty strong arms to pump your husband's bed by hand. There was a long pause. You don't say. Well, isn't that just fine, but I'll call you if I need help, okay? "'Grandpa strode back to the table, sat down, and stuffed his napkin under his chin. "'What did Miss Terry say?' asked Grandma, setting his plate in front of him. "'Grandpa ate with gusto. He slurped one oyster, then another, before he could talk. "'Why, you'd never believe it, Itty, how quick people think. First, Charlie Saunders, who's in charge of the whole public service. "'He calls Miss Terry and warns her.' about the wind being high, and the electric liable to go out, so she calls Henry Lenard down the hardware store, and almost afore she hung up there was a boy knocking at her door with a generator and some gasoline to run it. Grandpa sighed in satisfaction, so let the wind screech, he said, and let the rain slap down, and let the tide rip. We're all here together, Under our snug little roof A good feeling came into the room The lantern flame seemed suddenly to shine brighter And the homely kitchen with its red checkered cloth Became a thing of beauty Thank you for joining me today On sleep stories for equestrians, allow this relaxing music to carry you to dreamland.